I am thrilled to be back in the great state of Minnesota. President Trump made his first visit to Minnesota since taking office this week. Thousands of supporters came out to hear his message on what turned out to be a pivotal day in the national immigration battle. Hello, I'm Lindsey Brown, and this week for Tom Hauser, President Trump came to Duluth to talk about the economy, mining, and jobs, but he couldn't avoid the immigration controversy. Just hours before his visit, the president signed an executive order to keep immigrant families together while they're detained at the border. It reversed a policy change his administration started enforcing more strictly just a few months ago. Tom Hauser was in Duluth for the president's visit and has more on his message to supporters. Thousands of President Trump supporters greeted him like a rock star, eager to hear about a booming economy and more to come. So we've created 3.4 million new jobs since Election Day. 3.4. The president also claimed there will be denuclearization on the Korean Peninsula because he made a deal with a leader no one else could negotiate with. But I got along with Kim Jong-un. I got along. And that's a good thing, not a bad thing. On immigration, Trump said he's backing off his policy of separating families at the border, but won't be any less tough on securing the borders. Today I signed an executive order. We're going to keep families together, but the border is going to be just as tough as it's been. Two protesters had to be removed, including one who got right in front of the presidential podium. But then the president geared his speech directly at the Iron Range, saying he will support more mining in the region. We will soon be taking the first steps to rescind the federal withdrawal in superior national forests and restore mineral exploration for our amazing people and miners and workers and for the people of Minnesota. The day after the rally, President Trump tweeted this. Last night in Minnesota was incredible. What a crowd, end quote. He also hinted to the crowd that he'll be back maybe more than once before the November election. The president's first stop in Duluth was a roundtable discussion with steelworkers and miners from Minnesota's Iron Range. This is an area that could see a big benefit from the president's tariffs on foreign steel and aluminum. We spoke with the president of the Iron Mining Association who says this is huge for the region. Iron mining combined with steel making represents 16% of the nation's GDP. And so if iron mining or steel making go away, the ramifications and the ripple effect that that would cause is detrimental to every facet of the economy. Johnson says thousands of iron ore and steel workers have been recalled in the past two years, and the region's mines and steel plants are running at full capacity. Opponents of President Trump also gathered in Duluth, protesting his visit and policies until late Wednesday. Our cameras were there as some people were escorted out. However, the demonstrations remained mostly peaceful. Several Democratic candidates in Minnesota were there earlier in the day. Minnesota DFL Chair Ken Martin fired up the crowd, blasting the Trump administration. I got news for him and I got news for all of you. His values and what he's peddling is not Minnesota and it's not American values. Attorney General candidate Keith Ellison and DFL candidate for governor Aaron Murphy were also there. 
The AFL delegates in Minnesota's 5th Congressional District are throwing their support behind State Representative Ilan Omar. She won the party endorsement at a special convention held last Sunday. There are five DFL candidates running to replace outgoing Congressman Keith Ellison. He's running for state attorney general. Only Omar, State Senator Patricia Torres Ray, and realtor Frank Drake sought the endorsement. Jamal Abdullahi and Margaret Anderson Kelleher skipped the event. Omar says she's ready to bring a new perspective to Washington politics. A coalition builder who is ready to carry our collective voices so that we There are also three Republicans running for the 5th District seat. Jennifer Zielinski is the endorsed candidate. All these candidates will compete to be their party's nominee in the August 14th primary. Early voting begins this Friday. Minnesota Secretary of State Steve Simon says the state is ready for the next election when it comes to security. Simon testified before a Senate committee in Washington, D.C. on Wednesday. They were discussing preparations for this year's election. Simon says cybersecurity is the most important aspect when it comes to protecting elections. Minnesota is proudly old school. We have paper ballots, and that is the bedrock of our system in Minnesota. Very hard to hack paper, obviously, and although there are electronic components further on down the line, uh, we feel that we have those well in hand. Minnesota was one of 21 states targeted by Russian hackers during the 2016 election. President Trump says North Korea has already started the process of shipping back remains from U.S. service members killed in the Korean War. It was one of the issues the two discussed earlier this month at the Singapore summit. Thousands of soldiers were killed in action and remain unaccounted for. Tom Hauser met with the St. Paul woman who still hopes to receive the remains of her brother who was killed in 1950. I have been going for a day and a night so far without sleep. Letters home from the front lines of the Korean War are all Ruth Santella has from her brother's brief and ultimately tragic military career. We are behind the front lines right now. We are planning on going up anytime. Weeks after writing that letter home to his parents, 19-year-old George D'Amico was killed in action near Taejon, Korea. He was a tank gunner in the 2nd Armored Division, killed when his tank hit a landmine. The news arriving in a Western Union telegram and a letter from the Army. The President has requested me to inform you that the Purple Heart has been awarded to your son, Private First Class George G. D'Amico. Sadly, Armor, the Purple Heart was never sent to the family, and worse, his remains were never returned from Korea. They never sent any dog tags, I think that's what they're called back to my mother because they didn't have any. No, and they had sent her nothing that proves that the body was found. Thank you very much. After the Singapore summit, there is some renewed hope. The search for the remains of George D'Amico and those of nearly 8,000 other U.S. military members will resume in Korea. President Trump says North Korea's leader, Kim Jong-un, promised to help. I don't believe it. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's just plainly a promise to get people all hyped up that things are going to be fine. Santella's skepticism is fueled by years of frustration trying to get her brother's remains since his death in 1950. In a letter dated two years after he was killed, the Army informed the family there was no report of burial or any other information available about George's remains. Ruth says that news devastated her mother. She cried nearly every single day. And I'd find her by her bed, 
reading these letters. Her mother is dead now, and all Ruth can do is hope and pray. I think chances are slim that anybody's are going to be coming back. Miracles, anything can happen. Many families are in the same situation as Ruth Centella. Government records show 7,700 U.S. military personnel are still unaccounted for after the Korean War. Of those, about 140 are Minnesotans. The U.S. is still technically at war with North Korea, but the fighting ended under a ceasefire in 1953. Up next, our series of candidate interviews continues with U.S. Senate candidate Jim Neuberger. Find out why he wants to head to Capitol Hill and the issues he's focusing on in his campaign. Throughout the election season, we're going to sit down with several candidates you'll see on the ballot in key races. Up next, Republican Jim Neuberger. He's running for U.S. Senate against two-term incumbent Amy Klobuchar. Neuberger is a current state representative from the Becker area. He was first elected in 2012. He's also a paramedic. Tom Hauser sat down with Jim Neuberger to discuss, to discuss why he's running for U.S. Senate and the big issues he's focusing on in his campaign. And I am joined by Jim Neuberger, who is trying to make the leap from the Minnesota House of Representatives to the U.S. Senate. Why did you decide now was the time to run for higher office? Uh, that's a great question, Tom. Um, about a year ago, uh, I started to think about this. I had some uh, friends of mine uh, that had approached me, and they, they put the bug in my ear, and they said, Jim, you should really consider this. Um, I, uh, I thought about it, uh, talked to my friends, talked to my family members, prayed about it, and we decided that that was the right course for, for me to take. Now, you've, uh, of course, taken on a very daunting challenge because mm -hmm. you're running against a long-term incumbent mm -hmm. in Amy Klobuchar, who has very high approval ratings mm -hmm. for her work in Washington. How do you try to go to voters here in Minnesota and tell them why a Senator Jim uh, Newberger would be better for them than a Senator Amy Klobuchar? Well, there's a number of reasons, Tom, and that's an excellent question. Um, number one is Senator Klobuchar's approval ratings... Uh, Everything is not wrapped up into an approval rating. Uh, if you go to the Politico website, uh, it is a media outlet uh, that focuses on uh, the D.C. area. Um, they did a survey just this year on the worst boss who, to work for in Washington, D.C., and they ranked everyone that's been elected uh, by quantifiable data, meaning how many people have quit, what has your staff turnover been, and who is the toughest one to work for. Uh, Senator Klobuchar was ranked as the worst person to work for in Washington, D.C. So clearly, uh, we, have, uh, we have an issue here. There's a dichotomy. Uh, who she is in Washington, D.C., and who she portrays herself to be here at home, uh, they don't tend to mesh very well. And folks here, as I'm out on the campaign trail, they see that. Um, what, the, uh, what the pundits are saying and what some of the, some of the bigger polls are saying, um, quite frankly, they're not correct. Now, again, she is largely an opponent of most of the policies of mm -hmm. President Donald Trump. Uh, you, based on the button you're wearing that mm -hmm. says Trump 2020, would be a big supporter of his policies in Washington, D.C. Do you think that's where most Minnesotans are or many Minnesotans? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, President Trump has, he has struck a, a really good chord with the folks here in Minnesota. As I travel around the state, people are excited by President Trump. Uh, they're excited by the direction uh, that we are taking. Um, what we found, uh, Tom, was what we had during the Obama administration was that same type of big government malaise that we saw with the Carter administration. Uh, there's the same psychological effect that, this, that people are, were just very relieved 
uh, to have President Trump uh, become elected, just like they were with Ronald Reagan. Um, President Trump has done more in the last year and a half um, in his presidency than Barack Obama did in eight years. I mean, if we look at what we've achieved to this point through the Trump policies, through the Trump administration, if you look at the tax reform, if you look at the trade reform, if you look at uh, the negotiations with the North Koreans, no one ever saw that coming. These are amazing things that are happening to make our country great. Uh, and I look forward to working with President Trump. And there are many Republicans who say the same thing mm -hmm. that you're saying, is that he's rattling cages in Washington, D.C. That's why he was elected, mm -hmm. and he's getting things done. But many Republicans will also say they're not always real happy with the tweets mm -hmm. and uh, some of those types of things. And then mm -hmm. this week, of course, the big issue has been on immigration Correct. and separating families at the border, children being taken from their parents. Where do you stand on that issue? Um, well, where I stand on this is, is I do not believe that children should be separated from their parents. Families should stay together. Uh, that is just, uh, that, that's just a logical thing to do. I have three children, they're grown, but raising them, um, that, that's just a common sense thing. However, I will say this. Uh, to my knowledge, the reason why the children were separated in the first place is because some of these children were being brought over who were not with their parents. Uh, they were alone, uh, they were brought in, and they were put into the general population of all the other immigrants, and some of those children were assaulted. And it's my understanding that they separated the children to protect them. Now, should they have rethought that a little bit better? I think they should have. What they should have done is kept the children who are with their families, with their families, and the children who weren't, separate them to keep them safe. So you favor a tough stand on immigration, but maybe this goes a little too far, separating... Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, and I support legal immigration because that's part of what makes our nation great. That's part of what... We're all children of immigrants, uh, except for the Native Americans, but the majority of us are children of, of immigrants. And that's what makes us great. If we come here legally, uh, welcome. If you don't come here legally, then you're breaking the law. Now on some other issues, uh, the new federal tax law. Mm -hmm. uh, where do you stand on that? Mm -hmm. And do you think it should go even further? Should taxes be cut even further? Uh, I think it should. Um, I'm really excited about the new federal tax law. People are already seeing more money in their paychecks. We've seen a number of big job providers uh, give bonuses to their employees, uh, bonuses that these people had never seen in the past. And also when we, when we, go to the, we get to the end of the year when we have the standard deduction when it's going to be doubled for most people, uh, most people are going to be very, very pleasantly surprised when they sit down to do their taxes. Um, that's the biggest uh, difference between myself and Senator Klobuchar. Senator Klobuchar voted against all of these changes. Um, I support these changes, and it's a fundamental uh, philosophy of I believe that you as an individual have better say over where your money goes than the government, and that's where Senator Klobuchar and I differ. There are also st uh, some Republicans who still want to do whatever they can to repeal the Affordable Care Act mm -hmm. and uh, essentially reform the health care reform. Mm -hmm. You've been a paramedic mm -hmm. uh, for many years. Where do you stand on the issue of health care and how that should be dealt with? Well, that's a great question, Tom. Um, and I do have a, a very in-depth knowledge of health care, serving as a paramedic in the, in the North Minneapolis area for 30 years, full time. Um, but I will say this, uh, Obamacare didn't work. Uh, I have been a, a missions team leader to the former Soviet Union on eight different trips where I was a medical team uh, person and I, we also reached out to children. And I've seen the end result of single-payer health care and at the end of the day, Tom, what happens is that bureaucrats do really well and patients die. 
That's the bottom line, and that's not the kind of future I want to hand off to my children or grandchildren. Will we get there today? No. But will we get there for our kids or our grandkids? Absolutely. And Senator Klobuchar has been a huge supporter of the single-payer health care system, the Obamacare system, uh, since its inception and has been fighting to keep it going ever since. Um, that's where we, we really differ. Now, as a state legislator, I spent my first two years in the state house helping my constituents try to navigate through this Minsure Obamacare nightmare. I, I'm telling you right now, Tom, I had so many people that just broke down in tears because they lost their health insurance or they got nailed with really big penalties because they didn't have health insurance or they couldn't afford what was offered to them. Obamacare Minsure does not work. All right, certainly it will be one of the big issues on the campaign trail that I mm -hmm. know you will be drawing distinct distinction between you and Senator Klobuchar. Mm -hmm. We'll be having her on the program uh, in the coming weeks as well. So I appreciate your being here today. Yes. Uh, he is Jim Newberger. He is Thank running you. for the U.S. Senate as a Republican here in the state of Minnesota. Thank you. Up next, Ember Reichka Young and Annette Meeks will join us. Join me for political analysis. We'll be back in two minutes. Welcome back. Time now for political analysis. Joining me this week, Ember Reichkot Young, former DFL state senator, and Annette Meeks with the Freedom Foundation of Minnesota. Can we take a second to say, wow, <laughs> what a week it has been for politics in Minnesota? You could not have predicted this. And it's only going to get crazier, I'm afraid. Well, it really is. It's been something. All right, the president's visit to Minnesota this week. Who did it fire up more, Republicans or DFL Democrats? I'm not sure there's a lot more you can do to fire up the DFL, but I know that for the Republicans, especially in the 8th District, it really was a validating moment that they felt they were getting some attention. Uh, some of the things I learned this week by the President's visit to Duluth, I mean, Duluth has a poverty rate of 21%. That's like Appalachia. That's a problem. And to talk about some of the uh, unemployment um, problems that they face in the Iron Range in general due to bad state policies and bad federal policies, I think that's a win-win for the state. Do you think Trump gained anyone? Um, I'm not sure he gained a lot of support at this point. I think what he did is gained a lot of attention to the problems in our state and, frankly, some of the solutions that Republicans have proposed to ease those, including um, the pipeline uh, that we hope will be approved next week uh, by the PUC, and especially some of the mining issues that have just been, we've been fighting those for 30 years. Well, Amber, it's like Annette said, it doesn't take much to improve the enthusiasm of the DFL. Um, we did see some people protesting. Um, we did see a, a really great crowd there for the president's visit, right. but you know that's only one small part of the story. The 8th Congressional District is probably one of four or five where the president could laser focus his message to advantage, and he did that. It is a district that really aligns with him. His steel tariffs are well received there. His uh, mining uh, proposals are well received there. Um, but the, the downside of that for the rest of the state and for the attention that Annette said is that those tariffs hurt uh, the people in the second district in the agricultural community or in the first district. And so he's only shining a spotlight on that and may actually influence the outcome in those congressional districts as well. That's very true, quite possible. Um, also interesting when you were watching the president, if you were I was watching it on TV, some many were there, you two were not, correct? 
who right. are not there, um, just couldn't make it just, that day. <laughs> I'm sure you had prior engagements. Yes. My tickets must have been lost in the uh -huh, Yeah, exactly. Uh, listening to the people who were there, the different politicians across the state, elected officials who were there and weren't, for example, um, we saw Congressman Emmer and Lewis there. Those who didn't show up, Congressman Paulson, um, gubernatorial candidate Palenti. What does it say about those? Does it help hurt them? What do you think? Well, first of all, I think Congressman Paulson is trying to pull as far away from President Trump as he can. He's in a third district. They do not like this policy where families are being separated on immigration. Uh, there are a number of things that he has not uh, been aligning with, so he's trying to separate. What I also think is interesting is that uh, the president didn't endorse uh, Jeff Johnson, who has been a loyal supporter, and I think he's afraid that Jeff isn't going to pull through the primary. You know, the Trump campaign only likes to support winners, I'm afraid. So it's going to be a tight, it's going to be a tight race there, and I think he thinks Pelenny will pull it out. Annette? I think the big winner was the candidate, Pete Stauber, which is what the event was all about. And I thought it gave him a lot of prominence. He got to appear both at the round table and at the, he got to speak at a presidential rally, almost unheard of for a congressional challenger. But now that it's an open seat, I think the president sees an opportunity for a congressional seat pickup, and he's all in. And I thought that was a great help for him. Along with the fact that the Democrats don't have one candidate exactly. right now. Exactly. Yes. And they're just so much more broad for them, and they'll have to narrow that down. Um, back to Stauber. I wanted to get to that. It was really interesting to watch. Of course, the president said, oh, we didn't have any intentions of um, Pete speaking, but, you know, Pete walked up and he immediately had his notes. He's ready to speak. <laughs> um, I looked at Pete Stauber's Twitter. I think he had about 3,000 people following him. This really did put a spotlight on him. It, it, it is, it's worth a million dollars to his congressional campaign. When you're a challenger like that, just getting your name known. I mean, with all due respect, he's a, a county commissioner in St. Louis County. Now he suddenly has nationwide name. I oh, right. Think. And especially in the state of Minnesota, when you can appear with a president who's immensely popular uh, inside the Republican Party. And frankly, um, it, while the DFL remains divided, I believe it's a five-way uh, DFL primary. Something like that. Um, He's got a lot of wiggle room between now and August 14th to get his message out unimpeded. So he gets credibility, but he'll also get some fundraising from around the country as well, and that will be helpful. And I do think the Democrats are uh, in a, a bit of a uh, bind up there because the Democratic Party itself is split, uh, and that is also going to um, create a problem for, for succeeding in the election. Annette, Amber, thank you. Always appreciate your perspective. All right, the Vikings are getting ready for their first training camp at their new home. When and how you can score tickets is coming up. The Minnesota Vikings have released plans for their first training camp at their brand new headquarters. It's coming next month. 5,000 tickets will be available every day. 4,000 are free general admission. The rest are reserve seats at $20 per ticket. All tickets must be ordered on the Vikings website. Tickets are now available for all season ticket holders, and they'll be released to the general public starting tomorrow. You can also listen to episodes of At Issue every week on iTunes and Podcast One. We have links posted at KSTP.com. That is all the time we have for now. We'll see you back again next week for another edition of At Issue. I'm Lindsey Brown. Thanks for being with us.